This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. All right, welcome back. Certainly North America, Canada included, and Western Canada in particular. In the midst of an opioid crisis in B.C. and Alberta, it's particularly acute. And we've seen some shocking increases in the number of uh, overdose deaths related to fentanyl, of course, but uh, other opioids as well. Now, I think we're starting to get to the point where maybe we're going to treat it like the crisis it is, or at least acknowledge that it's a crisis. But what can be done about it? Now, I want to look at an interesting idea in this conversation as it pertains to our laws around controlling these dangerous drugs. Would it make sense to change that approach? Would it make sense, as Portugal did some years ago, to take this out of the criminal realm altogether? to decriminalize these drugs and drug use and really start to treat this as a health care issue. Well, that's what our next guest has been advocating for some time. Uh, his name is Donald McPherson. He's executive director of the Canadian Drug Policy Coalition, one of Canada's leading figures in drug policy, also with the Center for Applied Research in Mental Health and Addictions at Simon Fraser University. Donald, thank you for joining us here. Welcome to the program. Uh, it's a pleasure. Good afternoon. Well, why, by the way, have things, do you think, got so bad over the last year or two? Well, uh, it's it's a complex problem, of course, Mm -hmm. uh, and that's always a difficult one to answer succinctly, but there's definitely part of the problem is there there is a reduction in supply of pharmaceutical products, and heroin and fentanyl have sort of replaced that supply that... uh, disappeared when OxyContin was taken off the market. Um, the, the, the tremendous sort of uh, prescribing of opioids for all sorts of conditions, uh, chronic pain, etc., cetera, uh, contributed to, uh, to some extent to creating a demand. And when Oxy was taken off the, off the market, uh, fentanyl, heroin began to reappear in places where uh, people were, were gravitating towards pharmaceutical products. Well, yeah, I mean, it took a long time, I guess, to, to get to that point. And, it, I mean, it doesn't seem as though we're going to be able to fix this problem, at least in the short term, which is frustrating. No, uh, and, and, it, and it's not a new problem. It's a problem we had back in the 90s, if you, I'm sure you remember. In uh, British Columbia, we had uh, a similar problem with heroin, uh, strong heroin coming into the market. And for about a decade, we had a terrible problem with uh, overdoses that we thought at that time were the worst ever. And uh, sadly, this this recent epidemic of overdoses is three times as bad as it was in the 90s. Um, so it, it's there's a demand for good drugs out there, and... Uh, We've created that demand through a whole bunch of ways, through the way we construct our society, uh, the trauma that people experience in various parts of their life, uh, poverty. There's a a lot of drivers of addiction. And uh, so there is a demand out there that's not going to go away, and we shouldn't fool ourselves that uh, the police are going to deal with this or drug prohibition is going to deal with this and the criminalization of people who use these substances is going to deal with this. Well, simply not. Clearly, I mean, it it hasn't dealt with it. I I think what we're seeing, though, is that, you know, the death toll reemphasizes the point as to how potentially deadly these drugs are. I think in the minds of many, it reinforces, look, these drugs are bad, therefore we need to take that, that criminalization approach. 
That's right. When in fact, the criminalization or drug prohibition actually creates an incentive to smuggle highly concentrated, powerful drugs uh, into into the country um, because it they, it's small. They're highly concentrated, and uh, they're smaller packages. Um, so we're we're actually using the wrong. Uh, the wrong policies to to deal with this problem. We really need to do a radical rethink of uh, the way we're approaching this. Well, and as I mentioned at the outset, Portugal, uh, I think back in 1999, decided to take this approach to decriminalize drugs, take a different approach to the problem. Uh, what, what does that kind of a, a solution look like? I was just in Portugal about three weeks ago, uh, meeting with uh, the Portuguese uh, drug secretariat, and uh, spent uh, two and a half days in Lisbon. So I got a, a pretty good sense of it. Um, they had they had a similar problem in the sense that there were a hundred thousand heroin users in their country. So one percent of the population were, was addicted to heroin, um, which is a large number. And uh, they had a terrible time with HIV, injection drug use, and HIV, and overdose, and open drug scenes. And um, they had the foresight to, uh, their politicians said, well, we need to assemble a, uh, a nine-member panel to study what options we have going forward. And um, they assembled this panel, and this panel came quickly up with uh, a number of recommendations. And one of them was to say, this is clearly a health issue and a social issue. Um, One of the things we should do is to decriminalize the use of these substances. And they were very clear about that. They weren't going to try and tackle the sort of whole market side of it and legalize drugs and regulate drugs. They were very clear they wanted to just say to people, if you use drugs in our society, you either don't have a problem or if you do have a problem, it's a health problem. Um, So, and we want to implement a range of health programs to address uh, problematic drug use. Well, it's an interesting approach because I, I think there's some maybe who think that somehow the, the law provides, uh, you know, it dissuades people from using drugs in the first place. And, and I think clearly we've seen that that's not the case. So how does it help us then to take it out of the criminal realm and view it as a health care issue? Well, it, in the Portuguese example, they, they wanted to uh, destigmatize the, the people who uh, were using these substances. Um, they were clearly not seen as criminals by the uh, the people uh, who designed the program. Uh, they wanted to have the police have a different role in the system, i.e., more of a referral role than a uh, punitive role. And they also uh, ramped up a number of health services. They expanded their harm reduction services. They expanded their treatment services. And um, they engaged people who were using drugs in uh, in a whole bunch of different ways through outreach, through their harm reduction centers, through their treatment centers. So their whole focus was on, well, let's engage this population. Let's stop chasing them around with police. Let's have the police play a positive role in helping get them to 
uh, a range of services. So it wasn't just decriminalization. It was decriminalization plus uh, really uh, bearing down on what, what health services were needed. Right, and I guess that has a cost, but certainly I, I think we can all see pretty plainly that our status quo comes with quite the price tag. Oh, absolutely. Uh, price tag uh, financially and the cost in human lives is, is immense. Well, yeah, so if we have a more effective strategy, I mean, if people want to look at it just in terms of, of dollars, just in terms of what's a more efficient approach, um, which approach would win on that front? Well, uh, clearly the, the criminal justice-oriented uh, approach is one of the most expensive approaches uh, it, worldwide. And unfortunately, that's been the dominant paradigm in this area for, uh, for so many years. I think Portugal, the Czech Republic, uh, Canada now with its uh, you know uh, re- regulation of cannabis, uh, some Latin American countries that are looking at decriminalization. There, there. You know, I think in we're we're, be, we're seeing the beginning of a, a paradigm shift, uh, certainly in this hemisphere and in, in the European context, um, towards uh, really getting rid of the sort of uh, criminal justice side of it when it comes to uh, drug using drugs. Criminalizing people who use drugs does, does, does way more harm than it does uh, any, any good. Well, but are we starting to move in that direction? I think, you know, we're starting to, I think, acknowledge that, that harm reduction, a harm reduction component is an important piece of any kind of a response. Does that indicate a, a move in this direction? Yeah, harm reduction is really, it, it's mostly about reducing the harm of the drug policies that we have. So it's, 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 it's allowing people to engage people who use drugs uh, and not without fear of prosecution. Supervised consumption services are allowing a safe place for people to use that's supervised, hygienically clean. Um, so, you know, if people were able to use pure drugs in, in a clean spaces under supervision, there'd be, there'd be way fewer diseases and deaths out there. Uh, the harm reduction really is responding as much to the policies as the drugs themselves. Well, it's, yeah, I mean, it's interesting you mentioned that. I know they've, they've tried that approach in Switzerland. I was just reading today about this, this, public, or this pilot project, rather, in Vancouver to try this, this same approach and the, you know, the, the positive effect it seems to have had. That's right. That's the Crosstown Clinic, yeah. the heroin-assisted yeah. treatment, yes. Uh, when people have access to pharmaceutical-grade treatment like uh, other medications, um, you find that people begin to do well. Their lives stabilize, uh, their health improves, and they're no longer engaged in the criminalized market, the criminalized context, worrying about where their next fix is coming from. It's very much more like a, a, a medical treatment regime, which uh, really helps to stabilize people. Right. I mean, the unfortunate side of all of this is it's all reactive, right? We're talking about after the fact and how we can help people with an addiction not die and, and beat what is a very difficult addiction. I guess it's a much bigger question to say, how do we prevent addiction in the first place? Absolutely. I mean, that, that, uh, that, that's a key uh, a key question, and it's a big question. It, 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 we all sort of have to look in the mirror on that one and say, what, what in our society is causing people to use drugs so much and causing people to develop these dependencies? It, it seems to me there's something missing. Um, certainly we know uh, trauma is at the bottom of a lot of people's uh, uh, need to uh, use drugs. Uh, 
Um, so what can we do about that? Does that have to do with how we support families, how we create communities? Um, uh, there's a certain amount of trauma experienced within the drug, the illegal drug market. Uh, I mean, people who are drug users get traumatized repeatedly by either players within the market or the police. Or So that's a big question. And, and unfortunately, because we spend so much time focusing on the drug and the drugs, um, we don't get to that question, which is actually the most important question, the one you just asked. So the, 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 the sort of war on drugs is this masterful distraction from the real questions we need to be looking at. Maybe we're afraid to look at those questions. Why are people using these substances? To yeah. uh, Where's the pain coming from? Well, we've got to leave it there for now. Donald McPherson, thank you so much for joining us. More drugpolicy.ca. Much appreciated. Thank you very much. All right, take care. Donna McPherson, Executive Director of the Canadian Drug Policy Coalition. 403-974-TALK is our number. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.